Thank you for the two sisters who share. Sabrina, we will be, we will be praying for you in this uh, next uh, season of life as you trust Jesus, your shepherd. Um, sometimes he takes us in directions we did not foresee, uh, but we trust that in his goodness and we will be praying for you and cheering you on for whatever God has in store for your next season. Thank you, Faith, for sharing. You summarized about two-thirds of my wedding sermon. So thank you for confirming that word. Uh, Matthew, thank you for the praise. Psalm 51 created me a clean heart. You confirmed the passage for today, so I feel, I feel good. So if you could turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Jumping down to verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, as we wrap up King David's life, there is so much that you want to reveal to us about the heart of God. And David had a heart after you, and we see now through this psalm and through the last 40 years of a difficult journey, uh, just a central um, significance of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross to atone for our sins. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to your people. We, have, we avail ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes. <laughs> it is good to have children here. Uh, the greatest in the kingdom are little children. Uh, I, I miscounted. Uh, I said that there were eight psalms before David was king. Actually, there are nine. Um, and there are only four psalms. Um, after he's king. Of course, he wrote it. We don't know wh when exactly he wrote the 75 plus Psalms, but, but four in particular uh, are mentioned in events that span the last 40 years of David's life. And these 40 years of his life involve uh, adultery, murder, incest, rape, betrayal. And these are the significant details uh, in David's, uh, David's life and his family line during the final 40 years of David's life. And yet he is described as a man after God's heart. We've got to let that sink in. You know, sometimes we hear about a scandal uh, of, a, of a big name pasture, and we think that is the defining moment for that pasture, 
or for that later. But God does never writes anybody off. God always has a redemption around the corner if we repent. Um, King David, uh, if he, uh, when he sinned by committing adultery with Bathsheba, when he did a cover-up and, and he sent Uriah to the front lines, asked Joab to pull back the troops, and, and Uriah essentially was left to die in battle, that murder and that adultery, we would think that would destroy most people. Like if you are confronted with that kind of a sin, a prophet comes to you, exposes your sin, and you, and you, uh, and you hear that, um, think of how crushing that would be, that kind of exposure. And yet when David sinned, he never turned away from God. That is an incredible thing that we're witnessing in David's life. He is a man after God. Uh, the heart of God. And even when he himself sins in the most atrocious ways, he is not crushed. He is not condemned. He does not fall away. He does not turn away from God. He has faith even to believe that God can forgive a sinner like him. When other people sin against him, and there are many, and I'm, I'm going to outline a few. When other people sin against him, you would think that he would become angry at these people, you would think that he would blame God, but he does not blame God. He has faith in God, and that is a man after God's heart. I want to finish the message I started last week. Sin has consequences. The consequences come in the form of God's judgment, and God's judgment often involves the shedding of blood. And yet, through David's life, we learn a precious truth. That sin has to be atoned for. And this cycle of sinning and reaping the consequences of our sin and the judgment of God, that cycle that has repeated itself throughout the Old Testament, in Jesus, that cycle is broken. And once and for all, His blood that was shed once, it atones for your sin, my sin, for all the generations going forward. Sin has consequences. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, murder against Uriah. And what was the consequence? The judgment that came upon David. David was spared, but blood was still shed. And his um, son that he bore with Bathsheba died after seven days. Amnon, his son, David's son, committed sin against Tamar. Uh, that was a direct consequence to David's sin. And Tamar being violated by her brother Amnon resulted in Absalom hearing about it, uh, the, the brother of Amnon, the, the brother of Tamar. And he, he, he holds this grudge quietly for two years. He, he lets it fester. He, and then he just, he just doesn't speak to Amnon. He plots for two years. Eventually, he, gets, uh, he, 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 he gathers Amnon and he commands his servants that once Amnon is drunk, kill him. And, and Amnon is killed. There was a shedding of blood, a direct consequence of David's sin, Amnon's sin against Tamar, and Absalom's sin again. And this time it involved the shedding of blood. And the interesting chapter that I read was in 2 Samuel 21. There was a three-year famine. And, and after, after three years, uh, 
David prays to the Lord and inquires, why do we have this famine? When is it going to end? And, and God reveals during that prayer, it's because of blood guilt. That Saul, he killed the Gibeonites. And, and David, after realizing the, the reason for this famine, he goes to the Gibeonites and he says, how can we atone for this? Because this famine needs to end. And these Gibeonites ask for seven sons of Saul. And surprisingly or not surprisingly, if you understand the principle, David rounds up seven sons of Saul. He gives them over, hands them over to the Gibeonites. And these seven sons are hanged. There's a consequence for sin. There's a judgment of, of God in the form of the famine. There was a shedding of blood. And after blood was shed, the judgment was removed and the famine ended. Sin deserves judgment. And usually the judgment involves shedding of blood. And sin has to be atoned for. And through the shedding of Jesus' blood, this is why Jesus' blood is so precious. That's why we, we, we end every service remembering Jesus dying on a cross and allowing His body to be broken and His blood to be shed. It is ushering in a new covenant. And we're all new covenant believers. And His sin, His blood atones for our sin and it breaks the cycle of sin leading to God's judgment, leading to the shedding of human blood, and that repeating over and over. In Jesus, that cycle is broken once and for all. Generational curses are broken once and for all. It is a blood that is perfect. And there, and there, is, a, there is a poignant scene of David, and this is a foreshadowing of the son of David. David, he understands that all the, the consequences that he is reaping over his life in these 40 years is because of his sin. He says, before you, you only have I sinned in Psalm 51. He understands that every difficulty that he's experiencing in his life is, be, is a direct result of God's judgment against his sin because God to told uh, um, David through Nathan that there is going to be strife in your family and we see it through Amnon to Tamar to Absalom. And so David, he doesn't turn away from God. He, he, he receives the consequences of his sin. He, he, he takes it like a man and he just humbly receives the judgment of God. And you see it most clearly when he is going up the Mount of Olives. He is, he is fleeing from the city. Why? Because his own son Absalom is betraying him and wants to kill him because he wants the crown. And while he is while he is quietly weeping, going up the Mount of Olives, there is this guy named Shimei, a Benjaminite. And he is, he is uh, cursing David, saying, um, basically saying, Saul is the rightful king. You are a, you are a phony. You are a nobody. This is God's judgment on you, David. Absalom is going to be God's judgment upon you. And he's hearing this and, 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 and one of his generals is saying, should I just take out this dead dog? And David responds, no, if, if God has, has sent him, let me, just, let me just take it. 
Let me just allow, let me, let, let me bear the consequences of sin. Let me hear it, the humiliation as a king fleeing from his own son who wants to kill him. He's doing this as he's going up the Mount of Olives. And so this is a foreshadowing, of course we know, of Jesus Christ who went up the Mount of Olives on his way to the cross and he bore the sins of the world on his own body. The judgment of God that every one of us deserve. Even for one sin, it deserves the shedding of our own blood. But Jesus bore our sins on His body. He, he took the consequences of the sins of the world in the form of the wrath of God and the humiliation and the scorn of men. He did this joyfully, voluntarily, so that once and for all, He can atone for your sins and my sins and the shedding of blood that cycle of sin God's judgment consequences of sin shedding of blood human blood over and over and then sacrificing of animals that cycle ends once and for all by the blood of Jesus mm. let's praise the Lord mm. what good news this is let's pray Let's repent of our sins before the Lord. Let's name them one, one by one. The pride, the lust, the anger, the hatred, the unforgiveness, the lashing out, the harshness, the disrespect that we show to one another, even those closest to us. Let's repent of all of our sins. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to convict us even more of sins that we're not aware of. And after you've repented, let's ask to be forgiven. And let's plead the blood of Jesus. His blood, it perfectly atones for your sin, past, present, and future. Whenever you repent, your, your sin is atoned for. And instead of you reaping the consequences of your own sin, Jesus bore it on His body. And we just thank Him. We thank Him He bore it on the Mount of Olives. We thank Him. What, can we ever grumble? Shouldn't we just be thanking the Lord always for bearing the scorn, the ridicule, the sins of this world? He did not deserve it. He was sinless. He bore the sins on His body on the Mount of Olives, on the way to Calvary. And the cycle of sin, the generational curses that get passed on from father to child, that generational curse is broken in Jesus' name. So let's praise Him. Let's praise Jesus. What an precious truth that we learn from David's life and from Psalm 51. Let's praise the Lord. Let's end this prayer and every prayer with praise and thanksgiving. Okay, let's pray.